Maryville University and Maryville Hockey present Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Caesars Entertainment. Nationwide or worldwide, there will always be a Caesars Resort in the center of the action. Verizon Wireless, this is 5G built right. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Championship taste for lunch, dinner, or a pregame feast. Maryville University and Maryville Hockey. Big city lifestyle, small school feel, first-class hockey experience. Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com for all of your hockey needs, on ice or in line. By OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning product gets the funk out of your equipment or office. By M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You, M-Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. By the University of Arizona. And by Summer Skates. Show off your team pride with shower shoes and koozies for the whole squad at IcetimeHockeySW.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Maryville University and Maryville University Hockey Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Stephen Marsh. All right. Welcome in, hockey fans. I... I mentioned this uh, before. I, I really have a hard time calling this club hockey anymore because I just came off of watching some really good college hockey, and it happened to be ACHA hockey. But I know we can't use that acronym, so I'm going to call it club hockey. This is presented by Maryville University and the Maryville University Saints. We appreciate their support on all of our podcasts. Scott Strandy, out of St. Louis and uh, about, oh, 210 miles to the west in beautiful Kansas City tonight as I prepare for a trip south to Texas for the the uh, under-18 World Championships starting next week. We'll be going down there tomorrow and doing some prep work and getting ready for that. But Stephen Marsh, my co-host in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, how are you? I'm good. Have you had enough hockey yet? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, and it's a, I, I will... it, oh, go ahead. I will tell you that I am sitting on this big king-size bed in the beautiful Harrah's here, uh, our great partners at Caesars for, for putting me up in a uh, beautiful room tonight. So uh, I got here a little early in terms from me. I got here at 4 in the afternoon and was able to enjoy a little dinner and then uh, put my feet up and I'm relaxing and, boy, am I going to sleep good tonight. But, uh, Stephen, guess what? We have a national champion for the 2021 season in ACHA men's D1 hockey. Yeah, that was my hope when we went into this tournament was that we would have a champion of the uh, ACHA. We would get through the tournament, and that has happened. You know, we we didn't look at or we looked back months ago, and we were wondering how it was going to be pulled off. And and watching, you know, watching your interview with the executive director Craig Barnett, that's up on YouTube. You know, they were they were kind of wondering how they were going to be able to pull it off, but they were able to pull it off and. And I know we're going to dive deep into it, but uh, but yeah, congratulations to the national champion, uh, Adrian Bulldogs, for uh, for winning the ACHA uh, championship, uh, beating uh, Minot State, the previous champion from 2019. Obviously, no tournament last year, so they were the defending champs for two years, and they were knocked off by Adrian, now the defending, now the national champions. Okay, before we get to our guest tonight, who's a great guest, and I, and I just met him for the first time at Maryville, and, and I'm looking forward to it. It's the head coach at Liberty University. We're going to bring him on here in about eight minutes or so. But before we get to Kirk, um, I want to tell you a little bit about my experience there because it was fantastic. Uh, you know, us and the Hogans are pretty much tied at the hip for this show, so that, that part of it I knew would be fine, but... Man, what a great job everybody did from the ACHA down to the Hogan's to the Maryville staff to everybody that was involved. They put on a great tournament, very safe, very uh, uh, user-friendly. They ushered people in and out very nicely. Um, the games were exciting. Um, Stephen, I know you heard and maybe saw the box scores. You didn't get to watch like like you would like to have. But um, I can tell you those four teams that were in the uh, semifinals, um, those four teams could play at a lot higher level. Uh, not to take anything away from the ACHA by any stretch, but they were, uh, it was just impressive. And, and when I talk about impressive, Stephen, I'm looking through my camera lens, right? And I can see the whole ice surface and I can see players in the right spot and I can see uh, heads up and making the correct decisions on passes and I can keep 
seeing that the the uh, teams push people wide. Well, last night, um, start of the second period on, uh, the, the Adrian Bulldogs just locked down Minot State, who was a very good hockey team, and it looked like a wall of yellow every time I looked through my lens at center ice. So I understand why Minot struggled to get into the zone, but give Adrian a ton of credit because they came out. I, I used a couple of things. I said, look like you guys had jet fuel in you um, because they were so fast and so hard and, and gave Minot nothing as far as time and space at all and certainly held them up coming through the, uh, the middle of the ice and trying to get into the attack zone. So congratulations to the Bulldogs. It was uh, very, very impressive. Um, Minot State, uh, give them a lot of credit, too, because they came in as a number six seed, which I think they may have been misseeded. Um, they had to battle through, uh, let's see, Lindenwood, Liberty, uh, just to get to to the title game. And as our uh, guest will tell us tonight, uh, that Liberty University team is pretty solid. So um, that that's what I saw. What did, what did you read? <laughs> well, let me... Well, let me ask you this because I, 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 you were there obviously for all the games and, and we know that Adrian had, I guess, a little bit of an easier path, if you want to call it that, than Minot State wins because you look at Minot State's games and most of their games were very close, 2-1 or 3-1 games and they had to like really play their hearts out. Not that Adrian did it, but a lot of their score, games early on were 15 to, 15 to I wrote it here, 15-1, to 10-2, uh, to 2, then it got a little bit tighter. So plus they had that day off in between two, which uh, uh, be- between Friday and Sunday. Do you feel like any of that may have played a role in why Adrian may have ha- was able to overtake Minot State in regards of energy factor and how much ga- maybe gas they had in the tank compared to to Minot State? Because Minot State, the, you know, you said we, when we did an Instagram live, you said that they they had to play. Uh, we thought the championship match was already had that was going to be the championship matchup, but they had Minot State had to play a a tough second round game, so. Did all that? Do you think any of that played into the contributing factor in last night's win? I think it played a major factor, and I'll tell you what. I think Minot played Lindenwood, which could have been a championship. That's what game. it was, Lindenwood. I think yeah, they could have. I think they could have played Liberty in the championship game, and then they obviously play Adrian. So if you look at what Minot State had to go through, they um, they came through a gauntlet, as I called it, because. Um, just winning those first two games, I don't know how much energy they had left in the tank. Uh, certainly in the second period, they may have had some energy, but let, let's put it this way. The, uh, the guys uh, in the yellow and black with the AC and the Bulldog, um, they knew how to, to step on the gas pedal. And they did it in the second period, and they did it in the third period, and they just finished it. Um, uh, we'll get into the details on it with Kirk because he was watching the whole game and he he knows what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, I, I think it definitely played a factor. Um, you can't doubt that. But but give Adrian credit; they they came in as the number one team. And when you're the number one team, uh, like I told uh, uh, Coach Astalos, I said uh, you um, you got the number one seed that gave you the night games, and then the opportunity to go from there was strictly just go from there. So. That's the way it rolled, and um, you know it was fun. So, so before we do much more, let's bring on our special guest because we have uh, Kirk Handy, the head coach at Liberty University, on with us. Kirk, you got Scott and Stephen with you. How are you, Scott and Stephen? I'm doing great. Thanks. I actually just got home uh, about ten minutes ago, actually. <laughs> well, fantastic, and we feel grateful that we have you on. Uh, as a guest tonight, because uh, I met you for the first time and and I enjoyed our conversations and I enjoyed talking hockey with you. But uh, I think it's going to be really great for our listeners because Kirk, I'll tell you, you know Coach Powers out at ASU very well, and and in the West, western part of the U.S., they um they know about Liberty, but they don't know about Liberty. If that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Greg, Greg's a, a good friend of mine, and. Uh, really respect what he's done at ASU and, and uh, yeah, Liberty is a hidden gem on the East coast for sure. So, so tell us about it. Tell us where it's located. Let our fans know uh, all about your program. I mean, we, we know that you're always good and you're always in the ACHA uh, men's D one tournament, but you're more than that, aren't you? 
Yeah, we're, we're actually located, if you look on a map, uh, three hours south of uh, Washington, D.C., and about two and a half hours north of Raleigh-Durham on the East Coast. And um, we're, you know, Liberty's hockey program has been around since 1984. In 1985, they joined the ACHA and uh, for, for many years had a men's Division II program. And then in 2006, we started to add uh, a few more programs. And now we've got three men's teams and, and two women's teams on campus. That, that in itself is impressive. I, I, I was there. Stephen was not. He was holding down the fort for us back in Vegas. But, um, but I, Stephen will jump in in just a minute here. But I wanted to ask you what you saw from that championship game because you and I uh, saw each other between the first and second period, and we both looked at each other and we said, I think Minot's got this. Boy, were we wrong. <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting. I was texting with uh, Wade and Gary today, and, and, uh, you know, obviously I think, uh, you know, Wade, Wade sent me a text and just said, uh, we, we just ran out of gas having to go through you. And I, I think he was being far too kind to us, but you know, when, when they have to go through Lindenwood, who's a, a very, very strong team, Lindenwood could have won the national championship as well. They, they had a great team and, and then they have to go through us and those are two physical games. And then you have to play a, game against Adrian who, you know, had an easier route through the tournament for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's tough and especially having to play those three games in three days, games two, three, and four, it's, it's a very difficult task to play three physical games like that within, uh, 72 hours of one another. Yeah, totally agree. Steven, go ahead and jump in with a question for Kirk. Yeah, Kirk, uh, thanks for joining us, and congratulations on a great season that you guys were actually able to play. Before we get more about on the men's side, I do want to mention, because you just mentioned that, that you guys' um, hockey there in that area is <coughs> growing with the different programs you have at Liberty. And we have to mention this, that there is a champion coming back to Liberty, and that is for the women's Division One team in the ACHA. So maybe talk about how proud you are of the women's side of things, getting things done in Minot there, uh, winning the women's ACHA D Division One championship. Yeah, I'm extremely proud of the women's program. Uh, funny story I was sharing with John Hogan at Maryville last night was our women's coach, who's won three national championships in a row, had actually coached our men's Division II program for eight years and had done a wonderful job with them, had made it to the national championship game twice. And um, when our opening came open for the women's job, uh, you know, I went and talked to him about it and said, you know, I, th I think he'd be a really good fit. And he said he wanted, he wanted some time to think about it. And he came to see me the next day and said, you know what, I, I'm really interested in it. So, uh, you know, Chris has done a wonderful job with the women's program. We are extremely proud of, of them and their achievement. It's tough to win once, but to do it three times in a row is an incredible feat and uh, just shows you, uh, you know, the uh, strength of this program. And I guess the follow-up with that, I guess in, in this kind of a season, it, it's, it's good to see, but because of the COVID protocols and because all these tournaments were in different locations, in the, you know, the ACHA now is trying to put everybody in the same field. So you guys couldn't go, because they played the night before, you guys couldn't be there in person, obviously, and check them out. But in a normal tournament, all the men and the women would be in the, in the same location. So I bet that, that was um, maybe a disadvantage of having it in separate locations, but still proud of them nonetheless. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it is a, a disadvantage. You know, one day I was at the hotel on one of our days off and I was watching a split screen of the men's division two game and uh, the women's division one game and uh, extremely proud of uh, coach Ben Hughes and our men's division two team as well. They, they made it to the final four of, of division two and, and uh, just shows the, uh, you know, the strength of our, our teams at Liberty and what we're doing over there. Kirk, I want, I want to ask you specifically about your team and about ACHA hockey because I, I sent out a tweet uh, a couple of nights ago and I said, uh, during the semis, I said, I just watched two great college hockey games. I left out the ACHA part because <coughs> I thought the talent that I saw on the ice, and I commented to Wade about this too, is that, and even Gary, um, your teams are so well disciplined and structured 
um, <clears throat> you look around and you see passes that connect. You see keeping the puck wide. You see crashing the net. All of those cliches that go along with hockey. But just talk about uh, how you guys develop it at Liberty. Well, you know, we're extremely blessed. We have a, a great facility on campus. And in, uh, I, I was saying earlier, we started our program in 1984, first year in the ACHA in 1985. I came down in the mid-1990s, played here at Liberty, and then coached from 2000 to 2005. And we played in an ice rink that was one hour away from campus. So when you went to practice there, it was a road trip <laughs> twice a week. And then when you went to play <laughs> home games, it was a one hour trip there as well. So, uh, and we used to play at 11 o'clock at night uh, after the East coast hockey league team was done in 2006, we were blessed with a, a donation for uh, an ice rink on campus. And, and they uh, put up a, a structure on campus. It wasn't a fancy by any means, but what it allowed us to to do was to get on the ice every day and allowed our players to develop at at all the ACHA teams we have. And uh, it also allowed us to, to recruit better talent in here as far as a coaching staff. Uh, you know, for a few years uh, in 2005, we were blessed with uh, having Jeff Becker come in. And Jeff's been with me for 16 years now, and he played in the East Coast Hockey, played in the Central Hockey League, and then played over in Germany. And uh, our other coach, Dan Berthume, played in the NHL, played actually with Gretzky in L.A., played with Winnipeg, Ottawa, a little bit with uh, Boston uh, and Minnesota. And, you know, he's he's a guy who brings great pedigree to our program. And, you know, for our student athletes to have the ability to work with uh, with those coaches. And then we have Jonathan Chung in there with us as well. Uh, you know, Jonathan played in the Ontario uh, Junior Hockey League, like Tier 2 Hockey in Canada and play junior B in, in Canada and then came down to play at Liberty. And, you know, for our student athletes to have, you know, that coaching staff in place and the ability to kind of work with them on a day in day out basis really does develop our players and allows our guys to uh, achieve success at a high level. You know, it's interesting that you say that because when I asked Wade about his, basically the same question, he, he gave a lot of credit to his assistant coach who works also as an assistant coach with the Minot Minotauros of the uh, North American Hockey League. And he said he thought that that's what um, gave them more structure. But uh, in the long run, you guys can put all the plans in place, but it's the guys that you have on the ice that have to, 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 to do it, right? They have to be the ones to, to achieve it. And uh, I thought that in the two semifinal games, uh, it was as good a hockey as I've watched all year, and I just came from the pros and fours. So kudos to all you guys for such a great job. But um, one one more question before Stephen jumps back in again here is that um, when you saw this year and what you were going to have to deal with with COVID and uh, late start and a lot fewer games, um, how did you prepare as a coach? <laughs> I, I think uh... – uh, if you had told me uh, back in September the uh, roller coaster ride it would be for the year, I probably uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been prepared for it at all. Um, you know, I think I think you know I'm very thankful you know uh, to have other coaches around to kind of support us. Uh, you know, we got shut down twice this year on top of that because of of COVID cases on our team. If we got above uh, five uh, on the team, we were shut down for two weeks. So we had uh, two, two week shutdowns. Then, uh, you know, the university had to send everyone home the week before Thanksgiving and we couldn't bring them back till January. So having two months off in the middle of the season uh, was tough. Um, but it also did, did create, you know, a huge blessing for us. And, and uh, we had uh, uh, a team that was unable to come in January and, it opened up an opportunity for our program to play Long Island University, an NCA Division One program, first-year program, uh, under the direction of Brett Riley. And Brett and I had had a relationship uh, and had talked a few times over the summer. Greg Powers had actually uh, told Brett Riley about Liberty and told him that he should reach out to us for a game. So we were talking over the summer. Uh, we had a game scheduled for January. It never materialized, but we ended up playing uh, the end of January because of a cancellation on their end because of COVID. So 
Brett and Long Island came down here. We're able to split with them. We beat them the first night. They beat us the second night, but it really allowed our student athletes a great opportunity that probably wouldn't have happened if we didn't, if, if uh, it was not in a COVID year. Yeah, I totally, I totally understand that, uh, Kirk. It's, it's you kind of have to roll with the punches this year, and uh, let, let's lead that up to, to arriving in uh, Chesterfield, Missouri. And and I talked to everybody, and it was funny all the different comments I got, but they all kind of funneled back to one spot. They all said, you know, we were told that it was going to be a remote location. We got here, and uh, it was a remote location, but yet it was still big city. Uh, so just talk a little bit about how Maryville and the experience uh, the past six days was for you guys. Well, it, it was wonderful. Uh, you know, funny story for you. Uh, a year and a half ago, I was down at a coaching clinic down in Florida getting my level five certification. And John Hogan was sat beside me. And uh, I'd never really met John. <laughs> I, I knew of him because he was with Chad Berman at University of Arizona. So uh, but you know, we, we developed a, a relationship and, uh, and a friendship and, and you know what, um, uh, you know, the, the last week or so, I, I really had a lot of, uh, time where I was able to spend with John and, um, you know, he, him and his staff did a fantastic job under the circumstances to have the tournament we had with, uh, you know, as many uh, fans as, as we could get in the rink, um, you know, safety of teams was taken into consideration. Uh, they did a fantastic job and, you know, just the, the accommodations and, and uh, again, the location of it was easy to get in and out of made it great. So. Yeah, totally agree. Steven, you got another one? Yeah, I do. I want to, I want to talk a minute about um, something aside from the, the tournament. Um, I know that, you guys um, were scheduled to play before when when the schedules were being made for this season. Obviously, they had to be changed because of COVID. But it's going to be playing UNLV. Uh, UNLV was going to come out that way and, and play you guys. Um, and hopefully that – and I'm sure they were looking forward to doing that. I'm sure you guys are looking forward to playing them because they're a, a good team out here this, this way. But uh, one thing that, that you guys do and they were going to be part of and then they were going to do something here was do a midnight game. And talk a little bit about putting together a midnight game because – um, we had an experience with that here in Vegas for a brief time. Or for a brief time, our, EC, our ECHL team did a midnight game every year, and, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, how, how does it do playing a game at midnight there in uh, Liberty that you guys get to, to be a part of every year? Well, Stephen, I'm real excited. I was actually talking to, to the UNLV coach at the tournament, and uh, we're real excited. January 28th and 29th of 2022, next uh, January, they're going to be out here playing us in Lynchburg, and we're excited oh, about that. Oh, there we go. I'm going to put that down on my uh, notebook right now. I'm looking, yes. looking forward to those games. <laughs> and, and, and we're going to come out there the year after. Uh, but, um, you know, playing at midnight, I, I'm always – I, I always uh, say when I started to coach, I was ticket taker. I was marketer. I was find volunteers guy. I, I did, did just about everything I could uh, to try and, and promote and market and sell the program, not only here on campus, but to prospective student athletes who were coming in. And when I played at Liberty, we used to play at game times used to start at 1130, warm up at 11, game time 1130. And so we used to have these games in Roanoke, which were an hour away, mind you. And we get done about, 1.30 in the morning and then hit Denny's on the way home and get home about four in the morning. Uh, and, and it was a lot of fun and actually funny story, Stephen, uh, our chancellor, uh, who founded the school, uh, he told me, he said, I'm not sure people will come if the games are at seven o'clock at night. And I said, well, I sure hope so if we have it on campus. And, and, uh, by, by the fourth game that we had our rink in 2006, we went ahead and ordered bleachers cause we had them, 10 and 15 people deep around the ice rink. So uh, the, the midnight games was an idea that one of our staff had uh, here in our club sports department as a way that we could sell out the uh, rink. And we have found out that three is probably the maximum that we can do in one year. I used to like doing them more often when I was younger, 
but I feel like three is about the maximum you can do. And so we actually have teams, uh, one of the teams who's coming in, Michigan Dearborn, who's going to be coming in October, the guy requested that that be a midnight mayhem game because he wanted his student athletes to have that experience of playing in front of 3,000 plus people. And it's quite an environment. Uh, we have the rink is sold out. Uh, one of our student athletes, quick story for you. Two years ago, one of our, our uh, returning players on our team showed up at the rink with two freshmen in his car and he drove around the back side of the rink and came up and all these people were lined outside the ice rink at 930 at night for a, a midnight game. <laughs> and he said, what are those people doing at the ice rink? <laughs> to which the older guy said, they're lined up for our game tonight. And the, and the freshman went, are you kidding around? And he said, no. <laughs> and when warm up hits and the game sold out uh, and warm up, uh, you know, it's quite an experience for our student athletes, but here's the thing. It's also quite an experience for teams that are coming in as well. And that that's what I'm proud of is the environment that we can have on campus, uh, a safe environment that student athletes can, uh, can, can really come and great and get a great college hockey experience with. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a story quickly, uh, Kirk on the NCAA <laughs> side, because we had Coach Frank Saratori on from Air Force yeah. on, our, uh, on our NCAA show, okay? And Frank, we asked Frank at the beginning of the year what his goals were for the season, and he said, guys, I just want to get 13 games in because the NCAA had set that down as the only way you could qualify for the tournament was by playing a minimum of 13 games. And, and we laughed, and we said, well, Frank, well, you're going to get 13 games. Well, lo and behold, he got exactly 13 games in this year. <laughs> and, and we joked about that. So when we got to tournament time, I said, um, okay, now what are you going to do? You're starting your Atlantic Hockey uh, Conference tournament. And he goes, well, he goes, we're really healthy. And I said, what do you mean you're really healthy? He goes, well, we had COVID. And he said, I probably shouldn't say this, but we kind of had a COVID party. And all of our guys got it. And they're all uh, they're all in the ninety day window. So my team is as healthy as anybody in the country. <laughs> Love and it. I said, you, you'd only get that from Frank Saratori, right? <laughs> well, Fra Frank is a character. Uh, you know, he is uh, he's entertaining. I actually like watching his press conferences. Yeah, just to pick up some great one liners from that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so. I want to jump back in by, by talking just about your program again because um, a couple of things that I threw out there uh, on social media is, and I took a couple of pictures of it and haven't put it out, but you guys battled John Hogan's team in that first round. It was 0-0 halfway through the game before you guys finally opened up that cushion and, and beat them pretty soundly 9 nothing. But what I really liked is after a, a game of that battle, and obviously they were a little beaten down at the end. You guys all gathered in the center of the rink, and one of the great things in college hockey was you had the circle prayer, and I was just so proud as a hockey fan to see that. Uh, is that something you guys do all the time? It is. It's something that we started a, a, a few years ago, and I think Liberty, obviously, we're a faith-based institution. We believe uh, that Liberty is more than uh, academics, more than playing hockey hockey it's growing young men to be uh, champions for Christ that, that's our motto here at Liberty but I believe in our guys battling hard and doing everything we can to win hockey games but at the end of the day we want to make sure that we tie it back to our faith and make sure that it, it's been amazing to, you know the last uh, couple years when we've been doing it Scott and Stephen you know, we get in that circle and, and one of our players will ask, Hey, are there any things that we can pray for? And, you know, almost every time we say that there's, you know, parents with cancer or there's, you know, players injured on the team. And it, it just gives us an opportunity. It gives us our players an opportunity to use their platform playing college hockey to make a difference. And I'm super proud of them, you know, uh, now because we've been doing it for quite a few years, you know, it's not, it's not coach led, it's player led. And so I like that. I think it really teaches our, our guys to integrate their faith into the game of hockey and, and to realize that, that, you know, once the game's over, uh, life moves on and, and real life is around us and, and people are out there and, and they're hurting and, 
And, uh, you know, if you get an opportunity like that, I, I really believe it, it pays uh, big time dividends for not only the people who are on our team, but also on the air teams who are uh, watching us as, as a program. All right, Stephen, fire away. <laughs> yeah, and to go along with that, you know, what we've, what we've had to deal with as a, as a, as a, well, as a country, but as a world the last year with, with COVID and just with the um, different, you know, the, the, the death of that, you know, people suffering and, and isolation and everything. I guess having those principles that you guys have there at Liberty and, and being able to be able to play, even though you had some shutdowns, but still being able to play and, and have that, that faith and be able to, to get through it and, and have that positive outlook probably really helped you guys mentally you and the players' uh, mental state as you, as you had to navigate through this tough season, I would imagine. Well, uh, you're, you're 100% right. And, and it's a common bond that we have uh, with each other. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's, been a, it's been an interesting year this year. Uh, I heard, um, you know, many coaches say, uh, not only in hockey, but in other sports as well, that it's been a real mental strain on student-athletes. And, you know, it, we've seen it ourselves. You know, when you're shut down for two weeks and you've got guys uh, living in different parts of campus and you can't see each other and, and you can't talk to one another uh, on a consistent basis, we were trying to get our guys to FaceTime and to call and to text uh, each other to make sure that we uh, were staying on top of things. I actually heard a, we had John Gordon, uh, who's a uh, – a, uh, uh, motivational speaker. We had him on a, a conference call with uh, some people at Liberty there a while ago, and and he was asked about COVID, and, and he said he was working with the University of Michigan men's basketball team, and uh, uh, the coach asked him, said, "Hey, can you talk to our guys? We've got them all over campus. We're shut down because of COVID." And he said the whole time I was thinking, "What do I say to these guys who are locked up in their dorms?" for the next 10 days. And he said, the only thing I kept coming back to uh, was, Hey guys, when it comes to tournament time, you guys are going to have the freshest legs ever. (laughs) And so, you know, I think, I think you try and find positives in COVID and, uh, and it's tough. You got to dig deep. It's real tough. But I think if you can keep a positive framework around what you're doing uh, you know, and I, I think for us, the big positive was, guys, look, there's a lot of teams who are not playing this year. We're able to practice, and if we play, it's a bonus. And when we and when we uh, took it that way, uh, you know, it was able to kind of navigate the season. But, you know, there was a while there where you'd practice so much, you were just saying, like, man, I really hope we play in the next three or four weeks because – there's only so much we're going to do. We're going to end up having injuries in practice because our guys are sick and tired of playing one another in practice. So uh, I hear you. I, I want to follow <clears throat> that one up a little bit, Kirk, with um, uh, you guys were able to navigate through your tournament and uh, actually have a championship game and, and a champion crown last night. But I, I think back to the NCAA stuff again, and I just wonder, for your opinion as a coach, how you, you would handle something like this. But uh, we saw St. Lawrence, for example, battle to win their, their conference and get into the national tournament. And then the coach comes down as a positive case, and the team is eliminated from going to the tournament. And then Michigan gets to the tournament. They're all ready to go, and they can't get through COVID protocol, and they have to forfeit their opening game. Um, have you ever thought about that as a coach, as how you would approach that part of it? Well, I was watching it uh, like everyone else was when it happened with St. Lawrence and then when it happened with Michigan and Notre Dame. And my heart uh, broke for the student-athletes and and for the coaches who weren't able to uh, play in the tournament. For us, you know, we knew we were going to have to test here at Liberty before we left to go out to St. Louis, and we knew we were going to have to test uh, in St. Louis as well. And so – how we approached it was, you know, uh, trying to make sure that we we're doing everything we could so that our guys didn't test positive and were able to play. And, you know, as a coach, I think there's only so much you can do. The, these guys are all adults and, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can tell them to make uh, great decisions, but 
at the end of the day, they have to be, um, they have to understand, you know, the severity of it. If one or two of them test positive and, um, you know, to our guys credit, they all, uh, you know, tested negative here at home and negative out in St. Louis. But, you know, we had a road trip, uh, where we had one guy who came back who wasn't feeling well. And next thing you know, we had five or six guys out and that was in February. And so we knew uh, because it had happened to us twice, once in September and once in uh, February, we knew uh, that we had to be very cautious about uh, COVID because it could take you out. And, and, you know, you think, well, one guy's sick and the next thing you look up and five more guys are out because they've tested positive. Boy, absolutely. Well, I, I, I lean back to this one at Colorado College because I talked to Coach Mike Cavlin, um early in the year, and uh, I asked him because he had one positive case, and they had to isolate that one kid. And I thought, man, oh, man, uh, how, how do you deal with that as a coach, as a team? Because, you know, normally in hockey, a guy gets injured, it's a terrible thing, but, but your team picks it up and, and – <coughs> goes out there and tries to perform and make up for that guy that was injured. But with COVID, uh, the guy gets COVID maybe from no fault of his own, and the rest of his team is eliminated as well. And, and that's got to be a really difficult thing, I would think, as a coach and as a team. It's very difficult. And, uh, you know, the, the, the one gentleman who, who wasn't feeling well, he, uh, you know, he, he said, boy, I'm not feeling well. I said, well, call, call the athletic trainer and, and see what she thinks. And, and so he, he, uh, she, she wanted him to go and get tested and he came back and it was positive. And I remember him saying, boy, I feel terrible. Well, you know, it, it's not his fault. It wasn't like he was being reckless or anything. Um, you know, in fact, he's one of the guys on our team who's actually married. Uh, so he, uh, he came back and, but because we we're all on that road trip together and they were gone for, uh, we actually went a day early because of the snow. So we were together for four days we came Imagine back and that. Had, <laughs> yeah, and had five guys. So, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, it, in fact, I was laughing with Craig Barnett. I said, between snow and COVID, it wiped out a bunch of games <laughs> this year. And uh, it usually doesn't snow much here in Lynchburg, Virginia, but when it does, it usually shuts us down. Yeah, I can believe that. Stephen, you got one more for uh, for Coach? Yeah, uh Coach, I just want to I want to ask about kind of where you feel like the the state of the ACHA is. Obviously, um, it's really good hockey. Obviously, um, we we talk about how good it is and and what the the time. But from your perspective, since the time you've you've been with Liberty and just in the last as as these years have gone on, how much how much better has the level of competition gotten at the ACHA level? And 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 why people like ourselves and, and Scott will say it's 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 college hockey. It really should be called club hockey. It should be just called college hockey because of the level of talent that that is at this level. Well, it's dramatically improved, and I can tell you from my perspective, it's dramatically improved from Division Three, Division Two, and Division One. And speaking about Division One. You know the level of competition has has been fantastic. The last ten years, uh, I've noticed a big, big change. And and probably I'd say maybe fifteen years ago, I started to notice a change. You know, instead of just having Penn State and Ohio University be the the only two teams who dominated play, you know, we started to see uh, these outliers: Arizona State, you know, Adrian, Liberty, Minot teams like that who really started to kind of go up the, uh, the, the, the chain of being top teams in the ACHA. And I, listen, I tell everyone it is great hockey, uh, for, uh, you know, Greg powers, the first year that Penn state was an NCAA team to go there and beat Penn state at Penn state just shows you the quality of student athletes that are in, the ACHA and the quality coaches and the quality programs. And, you know, it's credit to, I listen, teams uh, are motivated by great competition. And so, you know, when, when, when uh, Wade Regeer uh, gets better talent to his program, that motivates Liberty, that motivates Adrian, that motivates the Lindenwoods, that motivates, 
Indiana Techs. It motivates all these teams around the ACHA to improve. And, you know, from my perspective, the ACHA doesn't take a backseat to, uh, you know, NCAA Division Three hockey. In fact, I think it creates another opportunity for student athletes. You know, typically what I'll tell people all the time is when student athletes are looking to play NCAA Division Three or ACHA Division One. I'll, I'll try and sell them on the fact that we play um, big name schools, but we also play more games and have more opportunity for them to improve on their game because we're we're on the ice more. And so, you know, it's very competitive hockey, uh, you know, and we've really seen a, a remarkable change in the ACHA starting about 15 years ago, but even in the last five to seven years, uh, it's been neat to see, and it's been neat to see Penn State and Arizona State go up and play at the NCAA Division One level and achieve success so quickly. Yeah, really, really good point. And and Kirk, I'll kind of follow that up by uh, saying I joked uh, the last couple of summers and I was so disappointed that there was no hockey in the WCHL uh, because I, I said there was an arms race out west. It was. Uh, Chad Berman at Arizona. It was uh, uh, Anthony Vigneri Greener and Nick Raboni at UNLV. It was Danny Roy at Grand Canyon. It was uh, uh, everybody at ASU, uh, Tate Green and his crew. But everybody was trying to one-up each other, right? And we'd see it on a Twitter post. We, we got this guy. Oh, we got this guy. Well, we got this guy. Well, we. <laughs> it was just so much fun to watch, and then we never got to see it on the ice. So I really hope uh, this year uh, goes off as planned. Um, uh, I'll let you go because I know you got to be tired. Uh, I'm tired. <laughs> it's been a long day, long five or six days. But I want to end on this one, if you could. Um, right now, we're seeing a ton of names in the NCAA portal. I mean, upwards of 250 kids transferring around. And, of course, the NCAA and the ACHA have granted an extra year of eligibility. Uh, how do you think that affects the relationship between NCAA players and ACHA players? Or will it? I don't think it will. I, I think what it will do is have a positive trickle-down effect where there's uh, players who assumed that they were going to go play on an NCAA Division One team who might not have that same opportunity now because players have been given an extra year. And I saw Greg Power say the other day in an article that he thinks it's going to be uh, five years before it kind of irons itself out. Um you know, I was looking at Lindenwood the other day, and they've picked up, I believe it's 12 or 13 players for next year, and they're all great hockey players. Now, obviously, with Lindenwood, um, you know, looking to go NCAA in 2022, the fall of 2022, uh, it just shows you that there's a lot of incredible hockey players still out there who are looking for a home. And uh, I actually, it's it's really, really hard because if you're a coach, at the NCAA Division One level, and you've got a senior who you really like, who's a key contributor to your team, and he comes back to you and says, hey, I want to stay for an extra year. As a coach, if he's a guy you love and he's a key contributor, you're saying for sure. And uh, it's hard because you've already said yes to the, to the incoming <laughs> freshman, but you know for the success of your program – uh, sometimes it's better if you, if you can keep some of those guys to play and, and not forfeit. Obviously, I think with the NCA trying to adjust a little bit on that, they're they're trying to kind of uh, you know help the player who wants to stick around for a year as well as help the freshman who wants to come in. He, he just hit his ice time might be a whole lot less because of the four or five seniors that that are going to stay on most teams. Okay, as I do all my guests that, that join us, I want you to uh, take the last minute or two to uh, tell everybody and, and sell them on your program at Liberty because uh, we have a lot of listeners all over the uh, United States and Canada. So sell us on Liberty. Yeah, you know, Liberty, exciting place to go to school. It's a place where uh, we believe that we can, uh, can help the whole person uh, holistically on the ice, off the ice, in the classroom on the ice, become a better person, a better player. Uh, we are a place that has a world-class uh, facility and opportunities to really uh, develop student-athletes who come here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always thankful for opportunities like this. Uh, 
Stephen and Scott to get on to talk about Liberty, which I love. I've been here uh, 26 years, if you include uh, playing and coaching. And uh, it's my privilege to work with these young men and to uh, to uh, the biggest reward I get is I say there's two championships you can win. You can win a, a national championship on the ice, but you can win championship off the ice in the way that you develop young men. And, and that's our goal every year is to win championships off ice and on ice. Very well said. Kirk, thanks for joining us. Uh, I really appreciate it. I really appreciated our time together in uh, Maryville. And as I told you before, stay in touch. You got my number. So uh, text me every now and then. And hopefully next year I'm going to try to make a trip. I've already promised Gary I'd get to Adrian. So I'm going to promise you right now I'm going to get to Lynchburg. There you go. I would love it. We'll, we'll, we'll take great care of you down here. Scott, well, let's – Let's already let's book uh, January twenty eighth and the 29th of twenty twenty two when UNLV go. is going to uh, to Lynchburg. <laughs> Absolutely, Coach. Thanks so much for joining us. I, I know you just got home and uh, and take good care. Okay. All right, guys. Have a blessed day. I appreciate it. Bye bye. All right, folks. That's uh, Coach Kirk Handy from the uh, Liberty University D one team into the semifinals. Uh, lost to Minot in a very close game to. Uh, to be out of the NC, the ACHA tournament. There I go again, Stephen, talking about that. But let's take a quick the hockey break. was that the hockey was that good. You just you, you didn't know if it was NCA or ACHA. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back and wrap up the ACHA national tournament in about three minutes. to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. UNLV Rebel Hockey, located in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, is proud to partner with Ice Time Hockey Southwest. As a premier ACHA Division I university, UNLV offers a unique chance to play college hockey. Experience a pro setting in Hockey Mad Las Vegas while you earn your degree in any of our over 300 majors in one of the world's destination cities. If this sounds right for you, then visit us at rebelhockey.com to get your future started today. Looking for a big school hockey college experience in a small school setting? Then Maryville University is for you. The men's team starts their third season of competition as the program adds an ACHA D2 men's team and a new ACHA women's D1 team. All three teams will call this two-sheet, 84,000-square-foot arena home, giving any player a varsity-level feel. Playing in the brand-new 2,000-seat Maryville University Hockey Center, the Saints will enjoy a first-class athletic experience as the men battle against ACHA powers such as Lindenwood, Central Oklahoma, and Missouri State. Located in the St. Louis suburbs, Maryville is the second fastest growing private university in the country, offering both a world-class education and a first-class athletic experience. For more, go to MaryvilleSaints.com. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. Thank you. 
When looking to continue your education, consider Maryville University. Located in the St. Louis suburbs and with small class sizes, Maryville is the second fastest growing private university in the country. With over 3,000 undergrad students on campus and more than 10,000 online, Maryville University provides a cutting-edge, robust learning experience for the 21st century. From the sciences and education to business and more, our undergrad and grad programs promise an individualized, hands-on experience that's truly crafted for today's student. For information on our campus life, programs, and more, visit our website at maryville.edu. All right, we're back. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, a uh, championship show tonight as we had uh, the head coach from the uh, Liberty University um, Flames, the uh, the uh, the one and only Kirk Handy joined us. So, Stephen, as I always do, let's start right there. Give us your assessment of our, uh, our visit with Kirk. And uh, I can tell you firsthand, he might be the nicest guy I've ever met in hockey. Well, that, I, I certainly couldn't argue with that just based on our conversation we had with him tonight. Uh, but we had some news break here, I guess, on our show tonight, uh, talking about UNLV going there and playing Liberty uh, next season, the 28th and the 20th. Now, let's go back. They were scheduled to play Liberty this past season. They were going to go there, I think, to start the season, UNLV was, and they were going to participate in that one of those midnight games. That's why I asked about the midnight games there. And uh, so then he said that UNLV is going to go there, and then they're going to come to UNLV the following year. So... That's going to be exciting. So, I, I'm. We should book our uh, our travel now for the 28th and the 29th of January of 2022 to go out to Lynchburg, Virginia, and and see UNLV play. I can play. see you're already penciling it in. <laughs> well, I'm more than pencil. I'm writing it in ink and in a. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. No, but uh, no, but in all seriousness, uh, a great, great guy. It's a great, uh, great team. It's got a great. Uh, reputation obviously they, they're a spirit uh, a faith-based school so they have those values that they they strive at and that just shows another example of that um that yeah it's how it is important to you want to win on the ice and, and and have success there but success off the ice is really what it's about and, and for any for all of these teams that should be a, a goal too and certainly that's a big big focus for for liberty not saying that that's not a focus for the other schools but certainly that's what they strive for at liberty so if they can be successful there then then that's good but obviously you want to one win on the ice too, but uh, it's it's a great a great team and it, Kirk Handy's a, a great uh, coach. Obviously, a lot of, as we talk about a lot a lot of great coaches at this level and a lot of great uh, people that put a lot of time and energy into these teams and, and some and a lot of it's uh, for the coaches it's a it's a volunteer based or it's very it's 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 very little uh, little pay and, and obviously they have other things outside of this of what they do. But for some, this is what they do. So it's 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 really great to see and. Um, and just that they're able to to be in the national tournament and, and compete uh, is is great, as well as the other 16 teams that were able to compete. Uh, again, my hope going into the tournament is that it would happen, and that we would get through it, and have a champion crowned. And certainly, we did have that. So, congratulations to, to Liberty on a great season, and congratulations to the women uh, Liberty Flames winning the championship. That was a a pretty uh, the field for that wasn't quite as large, but still, nonetheless, to win a championship for the women. Uh, congratulations to them. So a championship, ACHA championship is coming to Liberty is for the women's side of things. So congratulations to them as well. Okay, so so let me recap just a little bit for you. The the game one, and for people that say that, that your seeding doesn't matter, uh, I know what you're saying, but I'm also going to say it does matter because Adrian came in number one, and they were able to f- negotiate their way through. Uh, the teams that played, the one through fours that played on, on Friday – got Saturday off, and uh, the, the games were, were not very close Friday, just to be putting it mildly, but, but the games Saturday were very, very competitive, and uh, a shout-out to Missouri State, who I thought played an excellent game against Ohio, probably should have won that game. They got beat in the last 26 seconds, um, and they, they were the lone WCHL representative, so congratulations to them on on. A, getting into the tournament and putting on a great show because it was a fantastic hockey game to watch Saturday morning at 10-15. Uh, and all the games on Saturday were very close and very competitive. And then you narrowed it down to the uh, to the four teams in the semifinals and, um, I'm sorry, in the quarterfinals on Sunday. 
and those were fantastic hockey games. And then you got two team or two games left front on Sunday to battle for the championship game, and those were exciting, really good hockey games. And then last night, I, I think the six one score is not indicative of the way that game was played, um, because uh, it, it was a lot closer. I felt. Um, than the six one, but but what we saw was Adrian just had more gas, so leads me right back to my starting point. They were the number one seeded team coming in. They got a uh, little bit easier road getting there. They got uh, Friday night, a Saturday night off, and then Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and that made uh, what I think is a difference. And then you look at Minot State, who I thought was a really good hockey team, and I thought could have won the tournament as well. But as I said earlier. They actually played, in my estimation, three championship games. That game against Lindenwood was a battle. Liberty was a battle. And then, of course, uh, the championship game against Adrian was a battle. So uh, I asked Coach Regeer about that. I said, if you win uh, during the championship game, is it going to be any sweeter knowing that you went through Lindenwood, Liberty, and Adrian? He said, you know, you got to beat everybody. Everybody that's in the tournament's a great team. But um, that that really was a, a an unbelievable tournament. I had so much fun and, and everybody took such good care of me that uh, I can say nothing but good things. Well, two things. One, I'm looking forward to my t-shirt that you bought me. So that that's looking forward to that, to, to that sometime, but it's going to be a while. Cause I know you're still on your, your hockey adventure here for who knows how much longer, another few, few weeks, but um, before you make it back out this way, anyways, and we should mention the MVP, uh, which you had a chance to talk with after the game, and it's up on the YouTube channel now. Is Michael uh, Barrett, right? The uh, the goalie for Adrian, and he was outstanding, wasn't he, Scott? He was outstanding every game that they played. Um, uh, the championship game, I thought he made some really really good plays. If you listen to the interview, I asked him. I said, "Tell me about your goalie style," and he said, "I just use my athleticism. I've never had a goalie coach." I just used my athleticism to try to stop the puck, and uh, Minot was throwing everything they could at him, um, and uh, he just kept stopping it. And once you stop the puck, that's your job. But uh, give a lot of credit, and he did as well to his teammates because, as I said, when you, you see it from a different perspective when you're looking through the lens of a camera, or in my case, I was looking through the backside of my uh, iPhone, uh, and I was looking at the ice surface, and you could just see this wall of yellow and you wondered every time, how is Minot getting through that? And most of the time, they didn't. They were broken up at the uh, at the uh, attacking blue line, and that was the end of it. And, uh, you know, you do that so many times, and eventually it wears you out. Yeah, it wears you out, and, uh, and so that's, I, again, I, I just, you're right. I think seedings did matter in a way because, right, Adrian had an easier path, and they were able to, to – to have that and 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 obviously Minot State had some tougher some tougher games they had to go through Lindenwood which you know as you said could have been a championship game and then Liberty was was tough so um in a way that you would think maybe Minot State would have been prepared they already played some tough games but because of they just had to expel so much energy to win those games and Adrian had a, an easier path with these blowouts they had in the first couple of rounds and having that day in between yeah that, that certainly was played a part but that's not to take away anything from Adrian Adrian was was a great team and obviously number one team this year and and uh, we could talk about the seedings for some of these other teams but it obviously showed that Adrian was was where they deserve to be in the rankings and and they win the ACHA championship but I'm looking forward now already to next year all <laughs> you're looking forward to January 28th well I'm looking, looking forward, forward. <laughs> well I'm looking forward to that I'm looking forward to traveling again you know I because I missed that I missed that a little bit um and and I'm looking forward to having a full ACHA season with everybody being able to play. You know, COVID's in the back, rearview mirror. Uh, people are, you know, the things are safer now. We can we can have things again. And uh, we're looking forward to that. And being able to do this again next year will be in a month earlier in March, but having another champion crown. So we, we savor this, Adrian, but now the work begins for the fall and a, a, new, and a new season. And I, I really look forward to... To hopefully having some of our our Southwest teams, UNLV, Arizona, ASU, maybe the Colorado schools, uh, be able to be maybe in the mix for. Uh, well, certainly we expect some, hopefully some of them to be in there. So we'll we'll look forward to that and following that next season. But good job by you, Scott. I know you put in a lot of hours and a lot of pictures that are gonna still to come and YouTube videos that people can check out online at 
uh, on the YouTube channel at Ice Time Hockey Southwest or Ice Time. No, no, S- no. You, YouTube oh. Ice Time SW. Yeah. S Time SW. Sorry, <laughs> so many different tweets, Twitters, and stuff. Okay, yeah. so Ice Time SW on YouTube. Yes, yeah, so people can can check this out. It's also on the website IceTimeHockeySouthwest.com. There we go. Okay. Yep. Absolutely, and I oh. will say, I will say uh, first and foremost that uh, it, it was a really good time, and I want to give a shout out to the Adrian fans. Each team was allowed 75 people, and those Adrian supporters, all 75 of them sounded like 750. I, I commented to Coach Stallis about that. I said, man, oh, man, what a crowd. And he said, you need to come to a Thursday night game at Adrian. And I said, okay, I'll come out there. And he said, I'll take care of you. I'll put you on the red line in our open-air restaurant above the arena and, uh, and you can watch a game, and then you will really see what our fans are like. But, uh, you know, shout out to, to Adrian, too, because they were celebrating like crazy. But, but Coach made sure that they got a championship picture with those fans in the background, and I thought that was special. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's all it's it's about the fans. I mean, it's it's on any sport. It's certainly about the fans, and 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 it's good that they could have some fans there. It was very limited, obviously, a crowd, but they had their their seventy five or whatever they were allowed there, and and to have them in the picture that just shows you what it meant to them uh, that they were able to have the representation there that they had, and and to celebrate this with them on a on a championship that we were thinking when we get to this. Would we even get to this point six months ago? Would we even be able to have a another, have a champion, or would we go two seasons without a champion, uh, a new champion? So, um, so yeah, it's just it's it's incredible and it's amazing. Um, and kudos to you also getting interviews with Craig Barnett, the ACHA executive director, and Brian Moran, the the commissioner for the Division One men, and that's up the, up there too. So those are some great conversations too that people can check out. So a lot of great content from the ACHA tournament. And uh, it's just it's just great because you know we we had this period of what are we going to talk about and now you know we've kind of culminated a, a a pandemic type season where you know we we kind of navigated through it and, and we got to this point and and it's and the champions so that's that's again congratulations to the ACHA and being able to get that done and not just the Division One but also the Division Two which we should mention University of Mary uh, getting that one Division Three. Hope College, uh, the men's Division Three, and as I mentioned earlier, the, the Liberty Flames for the women's side on Division One. So, um, congratulations again to everybody in all the different yeah. locations, and just a lot of lot of um, excitement uh, for for next season. So, um, I, I'm going to jump in before you do your read and just say this too: that the word for the year for me has been relevancy, as you know it. Stay relevant. But uh, kudos to uh, UNLV for having their uh, senior game, if you'll call it that, on Friday night. Friday yeah. or Saturday, Stephen? I, I was I'm glad you brought that up, Scott. I was actually going to mention that. Yes, the uh, exactly right. Friday night, uh, they're going to have their uh, senior night scrimmage. Obviously, UNLV couldn't play a season this year, and, and they were very disappointed in that. But they, as you're right, have been trying to stay relevant and have done a good job of that. And they're going to get to honor some of the seniors. Uh, they're gonna have there's quite a few seniors from what I understand from what uh, the play-by-play guy Dana Lane was was texting with me. We were talking about he's I think they're planning to stream it. I, I don't know that because I asked Dana I said he's gonna be doing the game and he says that he would be. So uh, sounds like it will be streamed, but I'm sure there'll be more on that later. But but yeah, they're gonna be doing a, a senior night scrimmage. And I was looking on their Twitter about some, uh, looking at some of the pictures of some of the seniors they're gonna be honoring. You think about people that have been with the program for four or five years. Uh, yeah, Boss Asaf. Uh, you got Eric Williams, who's been with the team for uh, for a few seasons, and uh, you know obviously he didn't get to didn't get to have his. And then uh, you think of Jake Sachs, who actually was going to come back and play because last season was the season was cut short in the tournament, and then he was going to leave, and then they were maybe he was going to get another chance to play, and then didn't get to have this season. It's been so crazy. yep, so they'll honor him again, and then uh, uh, DeAndre John as well is another one they'll be be honoring, and, and it'll be sad to see these guys go and feel bad that they couldn't have a a, a true senior season, but. Uh, but we can hopefully you know we will be able to honor them, and I know I'm sure they will. Nick Raboni, Anthony Vigneri Green, and the production team that they put together there will will do a good job of honoring these guys and um, in a scrimmage type game and, and in front of 175 people. I guess that's what they're going to be limited to. So uh, tickets are available and uh, on, on a first come first serve basis. So they can do that. I'm trying to find the information for that. I think it's uh, if you go to the UNLV website, UNLV Rebel Hockey website. I think uh, you can get your tickets for that but uh, uh but yeah it should be that's uh that's good that UNLV is, is doing that and, and kudos to them as well for being putting that on and 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 I think it's 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 a great idea and 
And uh, so I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna look to get out there. Hope you know, all fingers crossed, and have no hiccups. I will be out there hopefully Friday night and uh, capture some of the action and put together maybe some interviews and put a feature together myself. That might be that might go up at some point. So we'll look for that as well. Well hopefully. done. All right, I will give one final thing before you do your read. I'll say that I did actually get down to the Gateway Arch today before I left St. Louis and got myself a picture in front of the arch. So uh, I did my uh, St. Louis tourist thing. It was all of about 10 minutes, but <laughs> at least I got there. So take it away, my friend. Maryville University and Maryville Saints Hockey has presented Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, also brought to you by Verizon. The 5G and 5G Ultra Band for Business that America has been waiting for. Maryville University and Maryville Saints Hockey. Come to Greater St. Louis and get a first class education and a first class hockey experience. Caesars Entertainment. Wherever you're bound, there's bound to be a Caesars Resort across the U.S. or worldwide. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Ultra smooth, Arizona owned. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and try our original cocktail recipes. By OxyPow, visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPow.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where it always seems like it takes you longer to decide what to eat than to actually eat it. By Summer Skates, doesn't matter what season, we still like to keep our drinks cold. Get your personalized koozies and shower shoes. Go to IcetimeHockeySW.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. The University of Arizona by M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You. M-Drive in the morning, relax at night. Our two-step system for energy, stamina, recovery. And by Behind the Mask, in the net, up the ice, or in line. Serving the Arizona hockey community and beyond since 1994. Maryville University and Maryville Hockey's Club Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app, available for download at Apple Podcasts, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app. Uh, ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcast. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by Maryville University and Maryville Hockey, is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. One final thank you to the folks at uh, the ACHA in Maryville and the Maryville Hockey Center and John Hogan and uh, Toppy Hogan and all the Hogans that uh, played such a big role in uh, bringing this to St. Louis. Uh, thank you so much for your support and your help. And a big thank you to uh, to, to Kirk Handy for uh, for joining us. I mean, he, he comes on the show 10 minutes after he gets home. How dedication is how much dedication is that? So thanks, Kirk. I appreciate it. Uh, we will definitely come out and see a game in Lynchburg, um, probably in uh, January. It sounds like so. Maybe uh, we look forward. We look forward to that, and we'll say good night with a little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, De Niro. Good night, everybody. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>